You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Keeping well. Keeping well. Good. Good. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Yeah, I am too. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we've got uh, Ob Giraud. She's done uh, a CBC documentary, and I've watched it twice, actually, and it's not enough. There's so much information in it. It's I'm really excited to have her here and share with everybody such important information. I think it's it's something that everybody really needs to understand is uh, where we stand with GMOs. So it's going to be a great show. Um, do you know much about GMOs, Alex? Not at all. I'm all ears right now. I'm yeah. taking it all in. It's really, it's, it's, it, it is something that we really shouldn't be ignoring. Um, so the the timing of this and the the hard work that's gone into this film is uh, is quite something. So I'm excited to to speak with Obe and uh, excited to get you guys on on the path and getting you to watch her film. Today's show is recorded, so no opportunity to talk to Obe, unfortunately. However, you can um, reach out to us on our email. We are at thh at radiomaria.ca. If you would like further information on the show today, or if you would like to bring up any other topics of your concern, and please do follow us. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. And as you know, all of our shows, taped and uh, live shows, are turned over into a podcast. We are the Health Hub, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, www.radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. Uh, I don't need to say the www in front of there, I don't think, do I, Alex? I can just say... It's not necessary, no, it but really it's helpful s- for some people. Okay, all right, so I'll continue then. So that's where you can find all of our podcasts. So um, I thought that apropos to our show today, I have a lot of clients who I go over label reading with because... It's very, very convoluted. It's a very hard skill to attain. It does take practice. You're, you know, unless you are in the science and food industry and really want to get down and dirty with every single ingredient, having a few basic skills to get you through the grocery store are very important for you to, um, to stay on the health path that you are trying to, to get for yourself. Ideally, of course, you know, we want to be around the outside of the shopping, uh, the grocery shopping, where you've got uh, your fruits and vegetables. Uh, the middle aisles are where most of the the um, uh, food that is boxed and canned is housed. But you know, in this day and age, it uh, ideal and reality sometimes clash. So, having a few skills under your belt to help you when you come uh, nose to eyes to the label reading is is beneficial for you. So, I just want to go over. I think I wrote down three of them here. And uh, as I said, it takes a little bit of practice, and you don't need to go crazy. But uh, one of them actually is um, check out the ingredient list. So product ingredients are listed by quantity from the highest to the lowest. What that means is if um, if wheat is the first thing that is on your label, that means that the wheat is going to be the dominant uh, ingredient in the in the product. Um, so knowing the ingredient list, where they are in the list is important. And, you know, just another aside to that, the the least amount of ingredients is usually the best. And if you can understand the words on the label, that's a real plus for the product. Understand the serving size. 
It's really important that you understand that all of the nutrition information shown is based on one serving size or based on a serving size, and it's not necessarily one serving size. So don't be deceived by this. A single serving may not be what you think. For instance, a serving size may be half a cookie when you are logically thinking that it's a full cookie. Now, usually it won't go in half cookies, but I just wanted to to point that out to you. So don't don't think that um, you know what your assumption is is necessarily what a serving size is to the manufacturer. So do be aware of the serving size that's on the top there as well. And finally, know the different names for sugars. And this, in fact, is an art unto itself as well. So you um, you know the dangers of sugar. You know that consuming added sugars lead, uh, you know, among other things, to inflammation. So be aware and, and understand that there are many, many different names for sugar on a food label. Some of them end in OSE and O, such as sucrose, maltose, and dextrose, and others don't, like barley malt, uh, molasses, things like that. So, you, you know, if, unless you want to be well, I think that there are probably more than 60, or probably Walmart. I should have researched that a bit myself. But there, I, I have a list at home, and it's three columns worth of different names of sugar. So understanding the sugar content in your food is important as well. So that's just a little little helpful bit for you. you can, it's, as I said, it's really an art, so you can go as, as deep into this as you want. But start off with those things. Those are key as far as I'm concerned, and it's what I, I usually send people out with um, on their first round of label reading. So on to our show today. As I alluded uh, to before and I said before, Aube Giroux is with us, and she is an award-winning documentary filmmaker, organic gardener, and a food blogger. She is the creator of Kitchen Vignettes, an online farm-to-table cooking show on PBS, which received the 2012 Sauve Magazine Best Food Blog Award and is a two-time James Beard Award nominee. Obe holds an MFA in film production from York University, and Modified is her first feature-length documentary where she tells the story of her and her mother, whose shared love of food leads them to embark upon a deeply personal investigation into the world of genetically modified foods, questioning why Canada does not label GMOs on food products. Two years into the film's production, Obe's mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and after her mother's death, Obe struggled to finish the film, which ultimately became a tribute to her mother, who was an inspiration. Modified interweaves the personal and the political, featuring public features like Dr. Jane Goodall and Senator Bernie Saunders. The film has received 13 festival awards and has been an official selection to over 60 international Film festivals, as I mentioned, I've seen this film twice, or maybe I did. Maybe I was talking to Alex off the air, but I have seen this uh, film twice, and I still need to see it again to extract all the information. It is fantastic. Our learning points among many today will be why Obe was so passionate about making this film, how and why agribusiness and large corporations involved in the issue of labeling GMOs, why they're involved in this at all. And where do we stand now in Canada with respect to GMO food labeling? We will be back in a few minutes to speak with Aube Giroux. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power There is power in the name of Jesus To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain You declare it. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. There is power in the name, in the name of 
know where it is to break every break every chain, break every chain. Come on, say to break every break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned earlier, today's show is recorded, so no opportunity for call-in. But if you would like to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca with any questions that you might have about uh, today's show or any other show, and do follow us. Uh, we have health tidbits as well as introductions to our shows on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. Obe, welcome to the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. As I said, I've seen the film twice. I watched it earlier this morning, uh, you know, for the preparation for the show. And uh, it seemed to extract more and more information. And it's just a very, very well done documentary. What what possessed you to, I can understand the interest with the influence of your mom, but to take the time to make this documentary, why were you so passionate about this? Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned my mom because, I mean, she really was the original inspiration um, for the film, and she's really the reason why I became so interested in the topic of GMOs in our foods. Um, I grew up, you know, she had a huge garden when I was growing up. She grew a lot of our foods, um, so I grew up really knowing where my food came from. And when I was 19 and moved away from home for the first time and, you know, started doing my own groceries for the first time, um, that same year, that was actually the year that GMOs came on the market in Canada. That was 1996. And so um, I instantly, you know, had questions about this new technology of genetically engineering our food, what it meant. Um, and I wanted to know which foods contained GMOs, but um, unlike many 
you know, other countries around the world that chose to label GMOs, um, Canada decided, the Canadian government decided that they wouldn't label GMOs on food products. And so this, you know, very simple question um, about, you know, why aren't GMOs labeled here when they're labeled in so many different countries around the world? That very simple question was what kind of set me off on this filmmaking journey. And, you know, as you said, there's a lot of information in the film and it's, I realized that it's a very complex and complicated issue. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it's, it's kept me so passionate and interested about it because there's always um, more, more stuff to discover and, and find out. And I think too, as it was very um, evident in the film, I think when you're, you, you get pushback from the people that you're searching the information from and you want the reasons why, and you're not getting straight answers or even the opportunity to talk to somebody, I think for a, a person like you, it may drive you further into the process. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it does kind of make you even more determined to um, to try to make sense of all this and to try to get answers when 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 you're not getting answers. And I think that's part of the issue with GMO labeling with the fact that we don't have it here in Canada is that people just want to know. Um, and I think um, I think it says a lot about our government and our regulatory systems that we don't have GMOs um, labeled here. What I'd like to do is is get um, everybody on the same page here before I just have so many different ways I want to talk to you about these things. It's, so many things stood out to me. Um, but I think maybe what is appropriate here is for you to educate us on exactly what GMOs are and uh, why you feel that they should be as part of our food label. Sure. So um, GMOs, the, the term GMO stands for genetically modified organism. And I always like to use the definition of the World Health Organization. And they define GMOs as organisms, which can be plants, animals, or microorganisms. Um, so they're organisms in which the genetic material has been altered in a way that doesn't occur naturally by, so for instance, by sexual reproduction or natural recombination um, or, you know, conventional breeding methods. So what the technology allows is for selected genes to be transferred from one organism into another. And often it happens between unrelated species. So for example, you could take a gene from a virus or a bacteria and uh, insert it into a plant or an animal. Um, so it's, it's, a, it, it's a way that genes cross the species barrier that exists in nature. Um, and, you know, the, I think for me, the main reason for labeling, I mean, there are many, but really at the heart of it is, is that um, this is a new way to create um, our foods. This is a new way, way of plant breeding. It's a new way of creating crops. Um, it's, you know, I never set out to make a film that demonized GMOs. I'm actually not against um, genetic engineering itself. Um, but I think that whenever we have a new technology, um, it does come with some risks. And it, 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 with, with technologies that are so powerful, like genetic engineering, it's all about how you're using the technology and how you're regulating it. And so for me... Um, it, you know, it's not it's not an issue of saying like, oh, GMOs are dangerous, and you know, you're going to die if you eat them. <laughs> it's, it's nothing like that. But it's it's for me, what I was interested in was really looking at our regulatory system. How are we? Um, how is our government approving these new GMOs? Um, and what I found was that um, there are real problems within our regulatory system that need to be addressed. And until they're addressed. Um, I think it's especially important here in Canada that we that we have GMOs um, labeled. And it, it's just, you know, eating is such an intimate, personal act. We all make food choices for different reasons, whether it's um, a health reason, whether it's a cultural reason or our cultural background, whether it's for environmental reasons, whether it's for religious reasons. There are a lot of different um, reasons why people choose to eat 
to, to make the, the food choices that they do. And so um, it's, I think it's really important for people to have access to basic information about how their food is produced, ultimately, is, is what it boils down to. Agreed. Now, what are the proposed benefits of GMO food? Sure. So um, there are really two main GMOs that are on the market at the moment. Um, and that's not to say that there there could be different ways of using the technology down the line. And there's there's constantly a lot of um, of experimentation and research that's being done. So um, there are new ways of using the technology every day. But at the moment, on in terms of the GMOs that are on the market in Canada, there are really two main traits that are um, that are given to GMO crops. And so the first one is um, the trait of producing, so uh, making it so that a plant can produce its own insecticide. So the plant becomes an insecticide producing plant. Um, so an example of that would be BT corn, which is um, widely grown now across Canada. I believe it's around 80 to 90 percent of our corn is um, is engineered to produce an insecticidal protein um, called BT. Um, so that's one type of GMO, um, and that helps farmers to um, deal with um, pests that um, that might attack their crop. So so that's one type. The other type of GMO, um, which is the one that we really see, um, which is the most common type of GMO, is is a trait um, that is uh, inserted into the plant to make it herbicide resistant. Um, So what this means is that, uh, and you know, an example would be Roundup Ready soybeans. So what it means is that you can plant your soybeans and then you can spray them with the herbicide Roundup which will kill all the weeds in your field, but the plant, the soybean plant will tolerate that herbicide so it won't die. Um, So it's a way to kill the weeds without killing the plant itself. Um, So basically um, those two different GMOs have made um, some aspects of farming easier, um, but they have also um, resulted in some issues that I can go into in more detail. Absolutely. I think I want to get into that a little bit later because I think um, one of your farmers was talking also that, that one of the, the, the big kicks for GMO is that it increases production. And as he came across in the film, it does not. In fact, for him, it, when he changed over to his organic natural farming, that's when his um, production increased. But taking a step back before we get into that, going back to the transparency issue that you talked about. So the way I see it is um, farmers have to buy their seeds from a corporation each year. They're not allowed to save the seeds. And then they have to buy the uh, glyphosate, the glyphosate, that herbicide that works with those seeds. So that's a hand in hand necessary relationship between all these parties. And, Again, by what some of the scientists and the people that came forward on the show, that those corporations with their hands in this um, have been able to limit the transparency. This is what I took away from um, one of the scientists on the show. Is that what you have found? Yeah, what I found, you know, through my research making this film and through speaking with many different um, experts in this area, is that the industrial lobby, the biotech companies that create these GMOs, which are often pesticide companies as well. So as you say, they, they sell both the seed and the pesticide. Um, these companies have a, a huge influence on our elected representatives, on our regulatory agencies, like, for instance, in Canada, it's Health Canada that primarily regulates GMOs. Um, and and just on our food policies in general, um, and we see it. I mean, the 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 most obvious way that we see it is in the United States, where there's you know actual um, dollar figures to show how much money um, the industry has spent fighting against GMO labeling laws in the U.S. and um, and basically it's like over you know hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent just to fight against. Um, GMO labeling initiatives that were put forward by citizens who 
who want to know what they're eating. And, and it's important to know that, you know, the vast majority of Americans and Canadians want GMOs labeled. They just want access to the information. And so there's been a huge um, industry pushback against that. And for me, this was one of the things that was most concerning because, um, because this issue goes much further than just GMOs. It's really a problem that we are seeing right now in our society that, that um, companies um, have so much power over our governments and our regulatory processes. And I, you know, and this is something that my mom very, very strongly believed in is that we have to hold our governments accountable to us, to the people who elect them um, so that they put, you know, the public interest and citizen interest ahead of the interest of big corporations. Agreed. I wanted to just uh, make it crystal clear because this is something that a lot of people don't know is that there is not allowed to be seed saving. Now, I did sort of mention that, but your mom was a seed saver. So every year with uh, whatever plants she had, she saved the seeds and replanted and farmers are not allowed to do that. So that's a point that I want to make clear for everybody and it comes across very uh clearly in the film but to me that's that's a big thing my father-in-law is a huge seed saver and to me that just to not to that that regulation there just it, it doesn't sit well with me so um what i would like to do is is end off here now because i want to start back with the reasoning that we are not using labeling so let's let's go to our break right now and we will be back in a couple of minutes with objuro
us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Aube Giroux. She is the creator of Modified, the documentary about GMO food labeling. Aube, um, again, thank you again for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. What I'd like to talk about here, starting off the second segment, is the reasoning behind why Canada has not labeled GMO foods? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the GMO industry, the biotech industry, I think is very afraid of GMO labeling, is afraid that if GMOs are labeled, people um, won't want to eat them. And I think, um, and I think their influence over our government is really what has stopped um, GMO labeling from happening in Canada because we have had um, GMO labeling bills. I believe we've had three or four of them since GMOs were introduced. In the time, actually, that I made the film, um, I saw, I witnessed two different GMO bills be defeated in our parliament. Um, And, you know, it was just what was really shocking about that was seeing how our members of parliament who represent Canadians... um, you know, voted against what Canadians wanted because what's what's very clear is that the vast majority of Canadians want GMOs labeled. We know that from poll after poll after poll that has been done, you know, from the very beginning when they were introduced all the way to present day. And all those polls consistently show that GM, that Canadians want GMOs labeled. So, um, so it is really puzzling and perplexing and, um, you know, one of the things I also talk about in, in the film is some of the issues within our regulatory system. So the lack of transparency that we see with the lack of GMO labels in Canada is it also goes much deeper than that. There's really a, a profound lack of transparency within our regulatory system and the way that GMOs are approved um, in Canada. And uh, the Royal Society of Canada, which is one of our you know, highest, most respected uh, academic and scientific um, organizations in Canada, they released a report in 2001 where they um, they studied really in-depth, they analyzed how GMOs are regulated, and essentially they very, very strongly criticized the Canadian government and said, you know, this is not adequate regulation. Um, here are 53 recommendations that, um, that of how we could improve our GMO regulatory system in Canada. So they published that report. They made those 53 recommendations. And what happened was essentially the Canadian government completely ignored that report. They, they only implemented two out of those 53 recommendations. Um, and, and some of their recommendations were things like, um, so for instance, when Health Canada looks at a new GMO, they don't do their own safety tests. 
what they look at is the safety studies done by the company themselves. So the company that is proposing a new GMO, they present their own data. The government looks at that data, um, but, but that assessment of the company data is done completely behind closed doors. So it's hidden from the public. And um, this really goes against the scientific principles of transparency and peer review. And what the Royal Society of Canada said was that our government should be making those assessments public and, should be, and they, that they should be peer reviewed by independent scientists. Um, so that's just one of the, you know, the many recommendations that they made. But their recommendations really pointed to a lack of transparency and scientific rigor within our regulatory system. It was a real interesting part that kind of got my dander going. And um, it was with uh, Dr. Surgenin. Surgenin? Uh, is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sur- um, I, I found his approach to you and, and what how he spoke and what he spoke of very it was very intriguing to me and especially around the topic of um, how Europe views food versus how we view food and you brought up in that at that point of the film that Europe uh, fought to have all GMOs labeled correct and um, yeah. if you could just tell us the response he gave to you when you brought up this and, and your 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 reasoning why you believe Canada should have GMOs uh, labeled. Maybe you could just get us through that conversation. Yeah, so he, um, you know, he was the past president of the Ontario Agri-Food um, Technology Association. And so he, um, you know, his response is very much in line with a lot of what um, the biotech industry will say, which is often a very um, um, kind of a demeaning approach to anyone who very criticizes so. GMOs. <laughs> Um, and, it, and, and, you know, I've seen it even, I saw it just last week when we, we had the film broadcasted on CBC and there was this outpour of, of, of social media backlash and kind of um, uh, attacks um, saying, you know, this is anti-science, this is anti-farmer, how, you know, how dare you um, criticize this? And it, I, I find it so funny because, I mean, what I am asking for through the film and what many other um, people who are concerned about this issue are asking for more science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not anti-science to to criticize our regulatory system and to ask for more transparency. And, you know, what part of what, you know, was seen with Dr. Surgener was a kind of a, a putting down of small farms, organic farms, um, you know, promoting big agriculture at all costs. And this is really consistent with the policies that our government have put in place. So over the last 40 years in Canada, we've lost a huge amount of our small and medium-sized farms. And at the same time, as there's been this huge loss of small farms, there's been a huge increase of large farms. So when I say large farms, I'm talking farms over 2,000 acres. Um, And, you know, this is very problematic for so many different reasons. But, you know, I come from an agricultural community in, in Nova Scotia, and Small farms are really the backbone of rural communities. And, um, you know, there's a farmer in the film who talks about the loss of small farms in his area in Iowa, where when he was growing up, you know, there were all these farmers with diversified farms. They had a little bit of grain, a little bit of vegetables, some animals. And it made for a very rich rural community and town. And it also made for a very rich um, ecosystem that was very biodiverse with a lot of different plant varieties and animals and insects. And, and we know from scientific studies that organic farms increase biodiversity on farms and around farms, that they increase um, the life in the soils, the, the microbes in the soil. Um, they contribute to so much And, you know, this farmer, how he describes his community in Iowa today is that basically there's no more farms. It's it's all been, or rather that the small farms have all disappeared. And when he looks around, it's all corn and soybean fields as far as the eye can see. And all the houses have been, you know, bulldozed and it's just 
been paved the way for just a giant monoculture, essentially. Um, so this is a problem in Canada as well. Maybe not, we don't see it quite as drastically, maybe as Iowa, which is really corn and soy country. But um, here in Canada, it's, it's an issue as well. And the way I see the future of agriculture is that we need to bring back our small and medium-sized farms. Um, and we need to go back to a more sustainable way of growing our food. Um, and maybe I'll just quickly mention that um, I was just at a talk by Dr. Jane Goodall um, two days ago. She was here in Halifax. Um, and she, of course, is in the film, and she's such a profound inspiration. And one of the things she said in her talk really resonated with me, and she described how everything on this planet is interconnected. All the plants and animals and insects and microbes and humans were all interconnected. And what she says is that when nature suffers, we also suffer. When plants suffer, we suffer. When animals suffer, we suffer. And I think in terms of our food, we can also say when nature suffers, our food suffers and we also suffer. And I think that we really need to start making the connections more with how we're treating our environment and what kind of food results from that. Because food ultimately comes from soils and from, you know, it, it comes from our water. And so it, if we have a polluted, toxic water and soil, then, you know, the food that comes from that will also be um, not healthy. Absolutely. Now, in Canada, are you um, able to give us the list of, of crops that are GMO'd uh, at this point? Yeah. Um, so, in Canada, so the, the good news is that there aren't that many. And so, um, people often think, oh my gosh, everything's GMO now. You know, how am I ever going to avoid this? Um, there actually aren't that many crops that are GMO. So in Canada, we have the we have four main ones essentially. We have corn, soybeans, canola, and sugar beet. And now there aren't that many, but the issue is that those are those are crops that are used to produce a lot of the processed foods that we eat. So box cereals and crackers and and all those kinds of things because you know from soybeans you get soy lecithin and soy protein and soy oil and so you get all these um, types of um, ingredients that end up in a lot of our processed foods Um, so that's really where we find most of the GMOs now I should also add that we now have a, a genetically modified animal in Canada which is salmon Um, which is a very new thing, and we're actually the only country in the world that is selling uh, genetically modified salmon. Um, And a lot of people are very concerned about that because they just want to be able to make a choice at the grocery store whether and and to have the knowledge whether, you know, this salmon that I'm going to eat has been genetically modified. And unfortunately, because we don't have labeling, we don't have a way of knowing that. So, okay, so now you've just, it, my, the light bulb just went off in my head. I never really understood what organic salmon meant, but now I can right. sort of, I, I just didn't know, I mean, organic salmon, I'm thinking, what does that mean? But now, is that yeah. what they're using to differentiate from GMO salmon? Is that why there's labeling on um, that? Yeah, I think, I think the organic um, certification for salmon existed before the GMO okay. salmon came on board. So I think it also has to do with um, with what the salmon is being fed um, and also probably the way the salmon is, is being farmed. Um, so, yeah, I don't know a lot about organic certification for salmon, but, but what I can say about organic certification in general is that, um, and a lot of people don't know this, is that in organic farming, GMOs are not allowed and synthetic pesticides are not allowed. And so people often say, well, if I want to avoid GMOs, how do I do that since there's no labeling? Um, There are two main ways to do that. Well, there's three main ways to do that. One is growing your own food, of course, (laughs) Um, but not everyone can do that. Um, So the other two main ways are you can um, buy non-GMO verified foods. 
Um, and there's more and more foods now at the grocery stores that have a little non-GMO verified um, symbol. It has a little blue butterfly. Um, but the even better way, I think, is to buy organic. Because when you're buying organic, not only is it non-GMO, but it also um, hasn't been grown using um, synthetic pesticides. And, and not only that, but you know, organic farmers will always say, Organic farming is not just about what we don't do. It's also about what we do mm-hmm. do. Yes, exactly. um, so, for instance, organic farmers, you know, they, pra- they have all kinds of practices that they use to, um, to increase the life in the soils, um, to increase biodiversity. And so there are, uh, you know, practices like crop rotation are extremely important in organic agriculture. Um, and it's been, you know, shown time and time again in in scientific studies that organic soils are more alive. They have more living beneficial microbes living in the soil. Um, and, and they have more overall biodiversity on the farm and around the farm. Um, so there are, there are many other reasons to eat organic other than just, Oh, they don't, you know, they don't spray synthetic pesticides and they don't use GMOs. There, there are a lot of reasons to support organic agriculture. Absolutely. Now, you speak towards the end of the film about um, your organic farm and the contamination uh, from neighboring farms. And along with that, uh, you bring up the topic of pesticides again. Uh, you lost your mom through, through the making of this film. And, you know, you, you very well explain how hard it was to finish. And, and that's, it's, a, it's a moving part, a very, uh, you know, it's an underlying love throughout the whole film that you can see. And I think, you know, how, how you talk at the end about trying to understand pesticides and, and questioning the fact if that was part of the reason that your mom may have had the cancer. What are you doing now, uh, with your own farming techniques, trying to maintain your organic ways without, you know, you talk about your community, there's still a lot of pesticides going on there. Can we truly get away from the pesticides then and the GMO contamination? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, in a way, no, we, we can't really get away from it at this point in time, but we can work towards different um, food production systems and agricultural systems. And the more we support and buy organic, the more farmers will grow organic because ultimately farmers want to grow food that people want to eat. Um, that's what, you know, farmers have always said that to me. Um, and so I think, and in Canada, we're seeing more and more organic farms. There's been a huge increase in the number of organic farms in Canada, and that's because people are asking for organically produced foods. So I think it's very exciting. But to get back to your question, um, yeah, the issue of contamination is really tricky um, because, as you know, to go back to Jane Goodall's words, everything is interconnected, and so we don't have you know walls that separate one farm from from the other, and so. Um, for instance, pesticide drift right now is a really big problem, especially um, because there are new GMOs now that have been introduced that are, um, are engineered to resist a very drift-prone herbicide called dicamba, and it's causing huge problems, in, especially in the, in the United States, um, because dicamba can drift. You know, you spray it in one place, but then it becomes volatile and it drifts and it can drift very far distances. Um, and then it, wherever it falls, it damages those plants, whether that's plants in the wild or whether that's somebody else's farm. Um, so this is creating huge, huge problems of contamination and, and, and crop damage. Um, so, yeah, the issues of contamination are, are very big. Um, and to me, that that is just an argument for... Um, we're supporting organic as much as we possibly can. And, and, you know, I, I no longer have a farm per se because that was with you know my ex partner, but I do have a very big garden and in my garden, I just, um, you know, there's, there's not much I can do to protect myself from 
pesticide drift. I mean, for me, it's not a huge issue because of the, the distances, thankfully. But, um, but I think all you can do is just produce food in the very best way you can and hope that things will change moving forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So before we end here, you were telling me that the, the documentary that I saw was, was about two-thirds of the full length. And you are going to be releasing this documentary, uh, releasing the DVD. What will the date be for that? Yeah, so the DVD is being released any day now. Okay. Um, so probably by the time this goes on air, um, it will be available on our website, which is modifiedthefilm.com. Okay. Um, people can order the DVD, and that's, that's the full-length film. Um, and we'll shortly thereafter, um, in early summer, we'll also have um, our digital release so people will be able to stream, uh, to rent the film online, to, to stream it online. And it's on the CBC right now, correct? We can stream it on the yes, CBC? Yes, that's right. People can also yeah, a shorter can version. stream it online on the CBC website, and it's a shortened version, so it's about half the length of the original film. Yeah. Okay, all right. Very good to know. Um just before we take off here, give everybody your social media handles in case they want to you know, look into your PBS show or they want to touch base with you. If you could just go over those with us, that would be great. Sure, yeah. So our, our film Facebook page is at Modified the Film. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Aubergine Blog because um, that you know I started my Twitter account when I was when I was blogging and have my and I, I still do have my food blog, so that's where I live on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Kitchen Vignettes, which is the name of my food blog, and um, and I'll often post um, different recipes there and a lot of food photos. Um, and then also on Facebook is my my food blog, Kitchen Vignettes, where I'll always um, post all of our new my new recipe videos and and those types of things wonderful well i i can't stress to you enough the importance of seeing this film i think we all need to be educated we all need to be aware of uh what we're eating and and i think it's you know it's it's was 10 years in the making right Obe? so this film was was done very well done right and it was done very thoughtfully so i really encourage you to take a look at this film again you can find it on the cbc and it will be released shortly and you can find uh a purchase copy for yourself. So, Ob, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here with us. Uh, I think what you what you've done is is wonderful for us and uh, very much needed here in Canada. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on the Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.